This is Cinema Spin. Hello, everybody. I am Matt. I'm Jason. And welcome to a new episode of Cinema Spin. All right. This week, we've got one of the big ones of the year. Mm-hmm. As big of, of the re- year? You mean the decade. Well, I mean, in some respects, sure. This is uh, as big as a release gets in the modern era. Mm-hmm. Maybe too big. Maybe. And did it, you know, you had mentioned kind of an opening that it needed to get to maybe have success. Maybe it yes. didn't quite get there. Uh, yes. And uh, apparently, uh, we should say the movie we're talking about. It's uh, it's Avatar, The Weight of Water. Right. The, the way of water. The way. I'm sorry. The way. The... <laughs> I know what you mean. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yes. You Freudian the, slip. You feel the weight of the yes. water. Uh, <laughs> so yes, Avatar: The Way of Water. I was telling you about this earlier. I I, I read a uh, some conjecture earlier that if this movie cost uh, at the high end of what its budget would be, and that would put it in the the 400 million range, and between that and the different frame rates that they use and the length of the movie, right. that this movie might have cost $900 per frame. <laughs> per frame. Well, I guess, and that's in a three-hour movie, right? yeah. <laughs> a three-hour, ten-minute movie, so that's even more frames, so you, you think... They and the high frame rate. Yes, frame. right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, they... Uh, uh, they have their work cut out for them to to make money off of this, but uh, he got a sweet deal. He's basically got the other movies already filmed. That's one of the things. That's that true. So that's long, a right? that's a good reason. To... Um, so that was those thing, are coming. Good thinking we, on his part, whether we like it or not. <laughs> whether they get the uh, the polish they need graphically, I guess uh, maybe remains to be seen. But, yes, uh, whether he waits for another generation of of uh, technology to come. Well, along. let's just break it down, shall we? Get into it, Matt. Four, Give it to me, baby. Four score and seven years ago, James Cameron made a movie called Avatar. Okay, maybe it wasn't that long, but it feels like a very long time to me now. Back the when world, the nation was founded. The world that existed 13 years ago when the original Avatar was released is very different from today. <laughs> a lot has happened, you know? I, I feel like... I had yeah. an innocence about me when I saw this, the first one, <laughs> that's long gone now. <laughs> I knew you back then. You, you weren't that innocent. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think like uh, s- somewhere around November 2016, a little bit of me died. <laughs> You're a more, we live, we live in a more cynical world. <laughs> I, I think so. <laughs> Not me. I was a cynic back in 2009. You know, a lot's happened, but yeah. now, but now it's the time. Yeah. For years, there's been talk and speculation. I swear, at one time, I heard Cameron was making ten sequels, and they were all going to be filmed together in a pineapple under the sea. <laughs> Wait a minute, maybe I'm getting my <laughs> pop culture references mixed up. <laughs> anyway, a sequel to Avatar is finally here in Avatar: The Way of Water. When we last left Pandora, Sully, played by Sam Worthington, had helped the Navi defeat the humans, or Sky People, as they are called and had somehow transferred his consciousness into his Navi body permanently, thanks to the help of the mother tree or whatever the hell it is. (laughs) It looked like Sully and his Navi significant other, Natiri, who's played by Zoe Saldana, would live happily ever after. Forget that, though. Avatar is the biggest box office earner of all time, and we've got to make sequels. Big, beautiful, money-making sequels. So, in The Way of Water, we find Sully and Natiri have settled down and have started a family, and in a big way. They have three children of their own, an adopted human half-son named Spider, and then there is their daughter Kiri, whose origin I could not explain if I had to. (laughs) The family seems to be living a very tranquil life in peace, just training and learning life skills all the time. This all changes when Sully and Atiri see something disturbing in the night sky, a new star. That can mean only one thing. 
The Sky People are returning to Pandora to wreak even more havoc on the planet. The humans are back to pillage and plunder once again, and this time they have an even more sinister weapon. Edie Falco. (laughs) Cue the destruction montage. Jason, how did you feel about Avatar The Way of Water? Uh, Okay, so you can hate on this movie all you want. I'm really I'm harder in this intro than I'm going to be on this movie. <laughs> okay. Well, you can hate on this movie all you want, and I will. Um, but one thing you have to admire, this movie meets expectations. Um, if you if if you liked the first one and you've seen the first one recently, like uh, you mm-hmm. know, maybe maybe there are people who saw it when they were five years old and loved it, you know, and now they're in college or whatever, <laughs> you know, because that and, can and happen. They, yeah, yeah, and, they, and you know, and they see things differently, right? <laughs> But if you were a grown person and you saw Avatar in 2009, um, this is uh, very, very similar to the movie that, that I think you expected this to. Uh, uh, you expected it out of, out of, you, very similar to what you expected out of a sequel, right? So um, I, I really don't see any basis uh, for, for objecting to this movie if you like the first one. Um, I think every virtue and every problem of that first movie is, is imported perfectly intact into this movie. Just about everything that I could say about the first movie, I'm going to say about this movie. I'm going to counterpoint you a little bit okay. here on, on some of those points because I, as a general rule, was well, I was a fan of the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and this one, um, a lot of what you're saying I'd have to wholeheartedly agree with, mm-hmm. but I think there are certain things that make that movie work a little bit better than this one for me. Mm-hmm. But continue. Well, okay. Well, so I, I expected a few things out of this, having having seen the first movie. Um, I, I was not particularly a fan of the first movie. I expected three things out of this. Um, or I, I mean, it's not like these. Are, this is what I wanted. It's like that. This is what I thought I was gonna see. One to be. I was ex- expecting to be blown away by the visual look of the film. Uh, two, I was expecting dialogue that sounded like a five-year-old banging on a piano, right? <laughs> um, and three, I expected to be just pummeled by its heavy-handed environmental message. As I, I will get into all these in, in some detail, one, um, I was even more blown away visually by this movie than I expected. Two, the dialogue, um, uh, and I'll get into this in some more detail, but the dialogue is as bad as, as it was in the first one. <laughs> and three, um, the environmental message it was not the heavy handedness is not quite the issue um this time around i think even though it is heavy it is certainly heavy handed right <laughs> yeah the heavy handedness is not exactly what what bothered me about it um so to go back to the visual look of this film i mean you so you didn't see this in uh did you 3d standard or presentation. you just saw it in yep. 2d mm-hmm. i i can't imagine how much i would have hated the experience of seeing this movie if i saw it, it just um. because I needed every few seconds to be able to take myself out of the uh, out of the the terrible blather that's going on in this movie and just sort of boggle at how gorgeous it all looked. Well, um, I mean that, that was a huge part. That's of, of great, Jason. Me but being able to that get into this does, movie at all. If it needs that crutch, how good is the fucking movie? Uh, well, I'm just saying, if if anybody is going to see this movie, you may as well see it in in 3D IMAX, and you should go to Ch- uh, Char- uh, Chesterfield AMC. Don't bother to go to Ronnie's Cinema. Um, their, their IMAX sucks. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean the, the, uh, the technology is, is sure. an important, was a huge part, 90% of, of the experience of seeing this movie for me. In the eye candy of it, I'm going to find boring regardless after a little while. I mean, that's just, you know, I, fair enough, I admit but it's the not, first it's one, not just you know, eye candy. I mean, this movie feels, 
Uh, I mean, the it, word it does it transports you to another world. It's total, you know, immersive in a sense that I feel like it's behind me, right? Like sitting there right. in the theater with with you mm-hmm. know because the. The 3D does sort of does reach out of it in a way that, right. that other 3D doesn't. Um, you know, the in the the trailers for this, uh, they had the the two Marvel movies, the next uh, uh, the next Ant Man movie and the next uh, right. the Galaxy movie. And sitting there watching it, I don't see 3D movies because I hate them. I, I hate the no, technology, I, right? Right. And I'm sitting there looking at those, I'm like, God, those look terrible. They look like pop up books, right? Mm-hmm. They look like three, and I'm, I'm like, oh God, is you know, is this going to be that bad? It's well, they always they always did it. compared to even the original Avatar. Yeah, the yeah. looked way better than yeah. I, any, anything I've ever seen in 3D since. Yeah, and, and then this and then this comes on the screen, mm-hmm. and I'm so used to what back when I have seen things in 3D IMAX. Like there's that that uh, that logo that comes out. It's like a countdown. It's like three, two, uh-huh. one, and they, they sort of float there. And how many times have I seen um, a movie that looks as good as that? intro trailer right like those you things float out you never see the coolest that, right? things you see are in the uh, little demos before the movie starts. this is the only movie i've ever seen no, i agree that has uh th- that has been as good as those uh, uh those floating lo- that floating logos so yeah so the technology of it just really blew me away um if if all 3d movies looked like this they would they they would be worth it to me now to my second f- f- hope or fear or expectation about this is the dialogue Dialogue is awful, of course. I mean, it's it's James Cameron, um, but the mix of portentous ser- sermonizing and circa twentieth century slang, um, <laughs> yeah, is, is Phantom Menace bad? Like a couple, there's at a one couple point, moments. The, one of the Navi boy goes, "I got this, bro." It's like, ugh. I guess that idiom in to James Cameron is just universal, right? That's never yeah. going to go out of style. And if you go to the other side of the friggin' galaxy, right? They're they're that's <laughs> they're gonna one of those say, moments. They're going to be though, saying, "I got this, bro." Yeah, that doesn't feel right in that yeah. moment, especially. I, I I had the same exact thought there. Yeah. Uh, now, in terms, so that's the dialogue. But in terms of the other parts of this of the screenplay, like, uh, they don't even. Tr- I mean, he this movie's been cooking up forever, and I and I take it this this script was probably basically written ten years ago. Well, I, I mean, I don't know, Jason. There's James Cameron and four other people credited with the story with this story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, although uh, those uh, the people there, uh, Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver, who helped out with that. Um, well, there's yeah, there's two. Okay, so probably what happened here is he probably cooked up. So there's two earlier story by credits to Josh Friedman and, and uh, Jane Salerno. He probably cooked up the screenplay back with those two back in the day, mm-hmm. and then recently James Cameron, or I'm sorry, Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver, who worked on the uh, uh, Planet of the Apes movies, right? Uh, they they probably helped him recently with. To, to bring it, you know, puff it up a little bit, to you know, punch it up a little bit, but they, I mean, it's it all sounds like Cameron. It sounds well, but the, I mean, I don't mean I'm not talking about the script. I'm talking about the, just the story. Yeah, yeah. It, five people it took to come up with this story. I mean, it's not that complex, the, right? And and I think most <laughs> of their homework had to do with just watching the first one, right? Because they don't even try to introduce like a new villain or a new conflict in this. Uh-huh. It's just oh well, the last the end of the last movie. The the humans, I'm sorry, the sky people, stick a pin in that one, uh, they left and now we're all happy. Oh, yeah, guess what happens in this? They come back, right? Looking for yeah. what? Looking for some mysterious substance. Well, I mean, I, I think that that's because, yeah. fairly obvious what it's going to, you know. I think, actually, I think I, I think you, you need a new villain here. You need, I, I think one of the, the main things this is uh, missing story-wise is you need some sort of new conflict. Uh, that, Supposedly, that, the Stephen Lang is the common villain over the entire franchise. That is, uh, yes, 
That is what I'm I'm reading. Um, <laughs> so I guess we're just. I mean, at the very least, get a new villain, right? Yeah. Um, or g- get a new get a new white person to hate. You know, get an or get a new human to hate, right? Um, well, in a short period of time, they got me to hate Edie Falco, and I adore her. So <laughs> she should have been the villain. That would have been a great. <sighs> I don't. Um, that's just her in that role. Just I don't get. <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned something, um, and the first th- my my first. My first po- talking point here is the word overcooked. And, you know, is, is usually a phrase I only reserve for the later albums of U2. Um, <laughs> it's, it's when ideas are around so long that they become, when good ideas become no ideas eventually. Yeah. It, it's just, you could tell that this has just been stewing way too long and every aspect has been thought about to such an extent that any originality has been taken out of uh, out of this. Yeah. Um for me, I prefer the first movie and it all comes down to I think that the whole um the whole premise of where, you know, um Natiri meets Sully and they sort of he's she teaches him all the ropes of Pandora, mm-hmm. and it's more of a personal connection. I was more into that mm-hmm. than I am all these kids that I don't care about. Yeah, I mean, I told somebody close to me is the original Avatar hater. <laughs> Hello, Beth. Um, and uh, I told her when I came home last night, I'm like, yeah, if you if you watched Avatar and you thought, you know, this is good, but what it really needs is a bunch of angsty teenagers. <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, that's that's what it needed, right? To me, that's the difference between the two, and why I yeah. like the first one more. Now, on the one hand, uh, if just the storyline of learning the ropes is important, that's something they still have imported from the first movie because they have to going to this other society, right. this other tribe, they have to learn the ropes of. Uh, going but it's more about the kids learning it than the actual well, exactly. adults. Yes, but but my point is. Uh, that's another way in which they don't deviate from. No, you're right. Uh, f- from the plan, right? Uh, but yeah, the kids. Ugh, God, the kids. I guess. I guess that's a major way that if you didn't like the kids, maybe you could like the first movie and really hate these kids. Well, why are there so many kids? <laughs> <laughs> Does there need to be this many? Are we gonna do a spoiler episode? <laughs> are we gonna Are we gonna call spoilers? <laughs> maybe later. I don't know if we need to. I guess we don't. We don't need to. But. Uh, <laughs> As it, it it turns out their numbers are overpopulated. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, and and they don't, and especially the boys look alike. Well, yeah, that that's also that's also on my and, list. And it's confusing. Uh, there's times I have trouble. I couldn't. I was having trouble yes, telling the a, boys apart. At a very crucial moment, you have trouble telling uh, w- which boy <laughs> yes. is which. Yes. So I agree with that. I I did too because the one that I thought was the older one turns out was not the older one. Oh, okay, the the more or the one that I thought was the favored one turns out it was not or something like that. It was there was definitely something uh, that was throwing me for for the a one with the whales is the younger of the two. Okay, but yeah, that's I mean I had trouble telling you know even when they introduce um, I don't think this is really a spoiler you know the 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 Marines are back but this time they're in Navi oh, Avatar yeah in, in Navi Avatar um all of them have their own stupid. You know, uh, yeah, the ones chewing bubble gum. And cliche, like, like they're from um, Predator, right? They're the aliens, gang, right? Aliens yeah, right. <laughs> or any of these. You know, um, so they all have you know, one wear sunglasses. You know, uh-huh. even though you know, I, let's yeah. not even get into that. But <laughs> yeah, uh, but then I had trouble, like you know, 
the, whenever the, the the main guy is in his form, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, that's him. You know, it just took me a minute to get it all squared together. Yeah. So I had that. Oh, yeah. I had that on my list. Too many characters and hard to tell them apart from me, at least at some point. And the the child in peril scenarios. I mean, if you introduce the the family aspect of this, of I mean, obviously this is a, this is at the end of the day a war movie, right? Um. You introduce the family in a war movie. Well, eventually, obviously, the bad guys are going to get a hold of the uh, uh, the family and you know and say, "Hey, come out, or we're going to start killing them." Right? That happens. Like, I I mean, seriously, maybe <laughs> half a dozen times. It, it, it gets to a point where the one kid at one point says, "I'm tied up again." Yeah, it's like, yeah, you are tied up again. <laughs> yeah, that and this be, movie is three hours and twelve minutes long. That beat definitely repeats itself. <laughs> Did you find that? there was just a weird flow between scenes at times, mostly in the first half of the movie where it was like, okay, this happened, that scene concludes, but all of a sudden there's a new scene that's totally different people. And it's like, it's, it it just didn't feel like it one flowed into each other. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I need to dissolve necessarily, but it just seemed like it was a very abrupt cut into the next, into the next sequence. And I I I noticed that like four or five times. Yeah. I don't, uh, that didn't stand out to me. Um, but it's like we you, have to build up the we have to we have, we have all these exposition scenes to do, and then we're just gonna machine gun them through this. If you, you know. think about it, though, th- that may, you know, I, I mean, things like reshoots or kind of shooting on the fly or anything uh-huh. like that is gonna be a lot more complicated with this. Well, so, so maybe you lock yourself into a screenplay, and hell or high water, you just shoot, you know. Right, you know, from well, one I mean, word to the next. The, just the thing you brought up last night, uh, and you know that that I actually saw today about how Edie Falco said she she shot this like four years ago. Right. Yeah. You know that's an unbelievably difficult way to make and, a film. And, yeah, and she she thought it had already come out and bombed because she hadn't heard anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been yeah, sitting around uh, getting uh, getting edited. Right. All right, I got one question for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> The human avatars, I mean, the avatars of the humans have four fingers. Mm-hmm. And that's like, they're looked down upon because it separates them from the regular Navi. If you wanted to create an avatar that blends in with the locals in order to recon, to recon them, like is what the whole point is in the first movie, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you make them with the same amount of fingers as the... Now, did, did, Sul, did Sully's avatar have four fingers I don't know okay his his the body he's in now does yeah it's weird I don't know I don't know enough <laughs> about the proposed science of all of this well I mean I, science is, like, is a fucking stretch by well, the way and, yeah and it seemed like in the last like half an hour of the first movie like all of that got really thrown up in the air because they went some sort of like uh esoteric sort of mystical way uh-huh. with, wait you really are one of us now Right. Right. And so I, I don't know. I, I don't know why. I mean, um, I mean, if so, he was more than just an avatar. He he had been reborn as a Navi. So, uh-huh. but then you would think, yeah, where does his human DNA come from? His his children have five fingers, and they're taken to be sort of half breeds. They're taken to be sort of like right. Uh, I don't know if that's <laughs> what a know, strange. I don't know if you're supposed to say half breed. What a strange way. To, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, but anyway. Bit. The strange way to manifest itself is just an extra finger, you know? It's just... Uh, yeah, and um, and I don't know... It just seems stupid. Where does the human DNA come from? If he's not at all human anymore, I mean, he's 100%. No, just his consciousness transferred, right? Right, yeah. I don't understand. Huh. Although, I guess the body that he 
even though his body was brought back to life at the end of the first Avatar, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. um, I guess it was still the husk of of the uh, the Avatar. Hmm. I don't know. This is something to uh, bounce but it, off. But it, bounce off our resident Avatar <laughs> expert, Ben. But it uh, it, it kind of irritated me. I thought that was stupid. Yeah. But by and large, I mean, I didn't hate this movie. I thought it was fine. Um, uh, the first one I thought was I enjoyed. This one I enjoyed a little less. Okay. Uh, one one thing I want to talk about before we we wrap up here is mm-hmm. is the the third thing that I expected the the very heavy handed environmental message, right? If these movies get people or their kids to take the environment more seriously, you know, our actual Earth environment, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, I don't know, environment elsewhere, I don't know. Uh, at any rate, if, if you know, if this results in people who giving a shit more about climate change or something, then this movie is nutritious, right? But, um, boy, uh, it just feels... Is that what we're going for? Or are we just rehashing the, um, you know, obviously the, the, the tragedy that was... Uh, the white people's taking over of, of the yeah West. colonization. Are we just yeah. t- are we just rehashing that again? Um, I mean, is well, that the point he's I making? Mean, I no, because because the earth the earth the moon here Pandora is alive. Right. Well, true. Spoiler alert. Uh, she yeah. So <laughs> it's being rode hard and put away. Well. <laughs> what bothered me a lot more this time around was the sort of uh, uh, the image in my mind of this white dude. Uh, you know, maybe as a child sitting on his back dreaming of, uh, you know, uh, what it would be like to be be an, a Native American, <laughs> you know, um, and, and how much of this movie seems to be informed by a kind of white consciousness, uh, uh, a dream of, uh, you know, of, of what it would be like to be, accept, you know, dances with wolves style, be uh-huh. accepted into the, to, to the tribe. And uh, however nutritious the, and I think more people are begin, are looking at this now in a way that they should have 13 years ago, because this occurred to me then. It occurs to me even more this well, time. Well, I think it's always occurred to people. I mean, you always heard dances with uh, Smurfs yeah, or whatever. Dances with Smurfs, right. Uh, and I don't know, man. Um, think about it this way. I mean, so the Navi are blue and the new people, the new tribe are green, right? He's out of colors, right? Cameron is out of colors. He he. The next tribe can't be red. You can't have. You couldn't have a yellow tribe talking in these little these these pithy. Yeah, it's got to be a derivative little, of blue, right? Yes, it has to be right uh, because anything else isn't going to get you get you <laughs> get you into trouble, right? Um, and maybe you should already we purple? should already be thinking purple? purple purple. You could do, I think, because uh, you can't have like other. You can't have. No, Any other I, color? The, the, these noble savage savages spouting uh, this this fuck, this cookie cutter. Uh, or well, and to the point cookie, where they uh, rather fortune cookie sort of wisdom. They give sort of um, a tribal type yell. I mean, that's, that's yeah. very what we you know. I mean, maybe that's a stereotype too, but it's been given to Native Americans. These you know, right? And it's war what, cries and whatnot. It, yeah, and who right. knows about how much of that's really legit? I bet none. I bet. I bet he. Did. Well, I mean. Well, I. I mean, you, you gotta know, go you can, by who wrote the history. Yeah, so. yeah. I. I just think that this. It might occur to people that he's treading on thinner ice here than, and this makes me. It did occur to this me. Makes that he's me treading un, on... This This makes me more uncomfortable than it does something like Black Black Panther, and maybe it shouldn't be that way. Maybe you should just be able to, you know, write the movie you want and have nobody sort of question question your your motives or your creative source. But then again, we I think... we go into it with sort of the stamp of approval 
uh, for on Black Panther that this is a movie that's been sort of vetted and researched, and and you know these tribes are meant to sort of represent specific uh, uh-huh. s- sort of African uh, peoples and so on. And you get, I mean, this is all from the fevered mind of James Cameron. And I mean, every time they say sky people, it's just. I like, think the well, can I, we just call them? I humans? think the argument that that <laughs> a person should be able to write whatever they want. Yeah. Um, is a valid one, but when you've gone so far to one side here, I think it's, yeah. it, it it feels strange. Yeah, <laughs> sky people is is stupid. They, they they can't say human. They can't say well. Yeah, <laughs> you I can't mean, form that word, or that word wouldn't be translated as you know. Well, it's like even um, you know, in in, in American history, right? When when. African Americans, I mean African uh, Native Americans, first see the white man. Mm-hmm. They may refer to him as the white man, right? But once then it's the English or the French. They right. they, they adapted once they got more knowledge, right? You know, these but the time the French were there. They were yeah, like, these guys the Nasiri are... were not. Don't seem like. I mean, the, the, the Navi aren't stupid people. Well, they're not supposed to be. Yeah. No, they're not supposed to be. That's a stupid. They're name not supposed for... to be simple minded. This right. is supposed to be a it's simple, a simple minded, minded title for something. Right. You, you know, once you learn that they're in fact humans, you'd start to call them humans. Right. In a s- normal culture. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, and that seems weird. Yeah. I, I'd say I was a little disappointed. <laughs> I know really? you probably couldn't be disappointed, but uh, no, I, 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 I was. I probably couldn't be disappointed. I mean, I, I, I have to say, I was a little more annoyed with with the. Uh, the total lack of originality, not just generally, but with within its own universe, just how uh, it doesn't want to, it doesn't even give us a new villain. It doesn't give us any sort of new conflict. It doesn't want to expand the. the what, what about the part that uh, in in the uh, third act that uh, takes place on a sinking ship, made by Cameron? <laughs> now that's all. This said, you know, I, I've trashed him a lot. You know, I'm sorry. Did you did you have something else that you wanted to get? No, in? but I mean that sequence yeah. is 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 very Titanic feeling. Yes, and it's interesting. Yes, yeah, where they're yeah, and they're and they're, they're, they're drowning. Then but it's it, very well done. It's very very well done. And one of the one of the things that occurs to me watching the the uh, this throughout, but especially in in that final mm-hmm. section is, you know, there's just nobody maybe ever who understand who films action the way that Cameron does. Yeah, and definitely. that that understands like the motion of stuff through the frame in the way that uh-huh. he does and he can he how he layers the way that different stuff sort of moves through the uh 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 th- through the through the frame and does it in a way that it, it just creates this kind of reverie in me right it's, that goes beyond any sort of critical faculty right it's just like oh wow that looks so good <laughs> right you know <laughs> there's an attention to detail that i really <clears throat> notice like there's a scene yeah. in this when um uh, there's a there's a big gun that's got a big harpoon on the end of it, mm-hmm. and um, it gets fired, and you can see it's like a single shot deal, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden it's reloaded again. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking, I started thinking, well, how do they reload that giant gun? And then all of a sudden, in the next scene, they show the mechanism of how it gets reloaded, <laughs> and I'm like, yes, yes, like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because a lot of it wouldn't have bothered. And it'd been like, you know, it looks like it would it looks like it takes thirty men to reload that gun. But no, there's a simple there's a mechanism for it. And damn it, he he showed us. Yep. Cause he didn't because James Cameron didn't want me wondering. <laughs> he knew you <laughs> were right. out there. <laughs> he did not want me wondering about how they're gonna reload Some that thing. guy out there. Because <laughs> if he if Cameron were watching this movie, he'd be like, how do they load that? Guy? He's like, some prick, probably in <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> Somewhere in southern Illinois. They could never. Oh, just that tell him where we're at, man. 
dispatching agents. So yeah, it was. Uh, it is what it is. I, I I'm glad I saw it, but uh, I wasn't wowed. I'm glad. I'm gl- really glad I saw it in IMAX. <laughs> glad it's over. I'll have to go back and see it in the IMAX. Damn it. I didn't really have time to go all the way over there yeah. and see a three-hour movie, and uh, that's like half a day. Yeah, no, I I, I know that's it, it, yeah. But uh, over the holidays, I may have the time if you can get in to see the thing because it'll do a good business over the holidays. It's going to determine itself in the next like ten days how what kind of legs it. Yeah, has. It, yeah, and it need, it needs legs. It's they came in under the expectations uh, a little bit, not terribly, not but time. it's not like they're. You know, it's they kind of need a they kind of needed a home run off the bat, and I think maybe they got a double. You know, yeah, maybe. Um, the issue is going to be if people are going to if people are going to keep coming back to see go it. again, right? They're going to go again, and I guess we'll see about that. But that's what he's going to need. He's going to need even bigger uh, international box office. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on, shall we? Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Listening to Cinema Spin. Okay, we're right back on Cinema Spin. We had a random movie this week, and here to tell us about it is Jason. Okay, so our random movie this week is Backdraft from uh, 1991, I believe. Mm-hmm. 91. Okay, so Backdraft tells the story of two Chicago firefighters, Stephen, played by Kurt Russell, and Brian, played by a Baldwin. I'm pretty sure it's William. Uh, so Stephen and Baldwin, um, and it tells their story of their long-standing sibling rivalry that boils over into their professional lives. Uh, years ago, their father was killed while on assignment, and since then, the older Stephen has carried on the family honor in his profession, and the younger Brian has bounced around to different jobs and now wants to be a firefighter again. Um, he has a lot to prove to himself and to his brother, and he'll get a chance to prove it thanks to a series of arsons that are spreading around the city. That's right like wildfire, um, and might be connected to the shady alderman who is running for mayor. Um, and I say that only because he's played by J.T. Walsh, and so you figure he will be important <laughs> at some point. Uh, Ron Howard directed Hans Zimmer does the score. There will be not a single moment in this movie where you will not know exactly what you're supposed to be feeling. Subtlety of a fire truck. Uh, so uh, what did you think, Matt? I learned something this week, and it's that <laughs> I am incapable of looking at this movie with any kind of objectivity whatsoever. <laughs> so you come to this with previous this feelings about this This is the most movie. familiar movie I've been with than any movie we've done on the podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, I've forgotten how <laughs> how close to this movie I actually am. Okay. Uh, I'm not even sure if it's good or bad. <laughs> it's I, I, not very good. I know that for me, it's sort of, I'll put it in a guilty pleasure category. Uh-huh. I can see that. Um, I do like, uh, I've always had a lifelong affinity for fire apparatus. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, hits me there. Um, I've had personal connection with, uh, actually one of the firehouses that was used oh, really? in the filming of this. Yeah. Really? Uh, the, the firehouse in the movie that, um, De Niro works out of. Mm-hmm. is the uh, Chinatown station. Mm-hmm. And uh, one time I was in Chicago at uh, knowing that fact, uh-huh. uh, went specifically to check it out. And uh, when I was there, my son was little and mm-hmm. he was kind of into fire trucks mm-hmm. and the door was open and we mm-hmm. kind of walked up to look in, you know, to see oh, what it was cool. like in modern day. And there was a fireman there and he was the nicest person. Uh-huh. He came in and, you know, let showed my son all, all, all oh, around. Wow. Wow. And it was a very cool experience, yeah. which makes it hard for me to yes. hate this movie. <laughs> but this movie. is there a lot of stuff in this movie that's really stupid? <laughs> Absolutely. 
the dialogue, there's dumb dialogue, there's obvious plot points, but it's by far not one of the worst movies of the 90s. It's it's oh, as 90s no. action films go, I think it's on the, on the higher end. Uh the sound design alone of this movie, I remember oh, in the theater yeah. was amazing, okay. especially for its time. The, the they you know, they tried to give the fire as dumb as it may sound a life of its own, but in 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 the in a sound uh aspect it mm-hmm. really worked mm-hmm. you know like, oh, yeah. like the sound the air whooshing around yeah, and, whoosh, yeah. and are this you know like the the idea of the background and the, and the the um the air getting kind of sucked out before right. the explosion i remember that being really amazing in an auditorium with the surround sound and all that mm-hmm. so and it was noted at the t- at the time that they came out i did not see this for some reason you know this came out when i was uh working in a movie theater my first job back in high school uh, and it played at the movie theater where I was working, and I had those. I would see all of the movies, even if I wasn't interested. But for some reason, I didn't see much of any of this. Well, maybe just walking around, kicking kids out, and yeah, stuff I was that too you busy saw people enough. out. I think I think I, I was just not interested. In and then on top of all the points I've already mentioned, the Bruce Hornsby of it all. I'm kind of a, <laughs> I'm a fan of his. So this movie, Are you, you're a Bruce Hornsby. I am. Fan. What? Okay. I always liked sure. him since the first okay. time, the first record. Okay. Um, they, there is a whole scene, uh, as as they tended to do back then. There would be there would be like a, a moment where you just break into a song, you know. Yeah, it's uh... just do it like a little. And, and in this case, at first I was like, "Is that Mark Cohn to Beth?" And <laughs> That's she's, like, a... she's like, "No, no." So that's uh, there was an Oscar bait thing, I think, at the time they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah, this movie at the time got a lot of attention for the uh, the CGI too, right? Uh, the it was an early CGI uh, movie that was CGI heavy, and a lot of the C- the the fire is, is kind of CGI. Yeah. That said, there is also a lot of practical fire here too. Um, and boy, you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you can I, tell. You can tell. Uh, so, and maybe we're just you know. We're spoiled. Well, um, I mean, I, I think by a lot of accounts, early CGI does not hold up very well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, even some modern CGI, yeah. CGI doesn't hold up very In fact, there was something I forget to mention. Uh, what was our um, our old movie last week? Incredible Hulk. There was a horrible CGI helicopter in the middle of that. <laughs> you know, so it, 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 it's just clunking along. It doesn't stop. Yeah. I mean, you you want to cut this movie a break, but the same year it came out, guess who did, beat it for all the uh, the technical Oscars? Uh, Terminator Two and James Cameron, <laughs> right? It all t- whoa, the randomizer knew. Maybe Anyways. it did. Maybe it did. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I joke about the Zimmer score and how, uh, Ron Howard's lack of subtlety as a director, but truth be told, you know, I thought for sure. De Niro was gonna be going to be revealed by the end of this movie to be the bad guy. Um, because when he's introduced, th- there is this weird dark lighting and this incredibly ominous music stab. And I thought, uh, there's no way that's just an accident. <laughs> you know, he's he's brought in as sort of this very, very sort of sinister looking guy, right? And you're like, what is he up to? With a is he questionable history at least? Or... Right, and I wrote in my notes, De Niro equals evil firefighter? <laughs> right? And I thought, well, maybe there's going to be like good firefighters and bad firefighters. And, I don't know like, if some of the... And fair, but they do hide the bad guy rather well in this. Now, well, I was just so I, I was just from that moment on, just the whole movie. I'm just like it's De Niro, it's De Niro, it's De Niro, it's De Niro, right? And so when they do turn, when they do do the reveal at the end, I was like, no, wait, it's going to come back around to De Niro, and then we're out of movie, right? <laughs> I'm like, right, what? right. Whoa, I was wrong. Uh, so I was, but I was led astray, 
and maybe Ron Howard uh, knew how to throw me off. Throw me off. I, you, you, I guess looking back with mm-hmm. like you know full attention, you gotta wonder why Scott Glenn's in this for such a small little role. If there's not going to be that's more a good to point. It. Well, like with JT Walsh, same thing. Yeah, I mean, but even maybe even worse so with with John with Scott Glenn. Yeah, because because it's a really little role, and, uh-huh. and yeah. Now, I mean, apparently, you know, for verisimilitude, Baldwin and. Uh, uh, and Russell embedded with real firefighters to get every sort of, you know, uh, t- to uh, hang out with them before filming this to get every little thing right. A lot of good it did them. <laughs> every, nothing here really seems authentic, right? Like, not the manufactured conflict between the friends. Not the weird regard for fire as this living thing, right? Right. Don't yeah. let it know you're scared. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You got to think like a fire, Matt. I think Russell's performance here is all right. Baldwin's not really great. Um Jennifer Jason well, Lee. I think I think Baldwin actually uh, is is not bad at all, um, given that he's William Baldwin. I mean, there's not much. Right, you gotta, you gotta there's not much to that role. Him. I mean, I guess he does fine for what he's asked to do there. But I don't know. I, I, yeah. I like. I mean, the grizzled firefighter who's estranged from his wife because of his job. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. All the stuff with the, all the stuff with the wives is just so cliched. It's such a sort of headwind on the movie. Right? Yeah, it's it's. it's um, are there Chicago firefighters who own flip-flops? Do you think? <laughs> we got in one scene where they're arguing with each other, they both have flip-flops on. Well, you got to have I'm like sh- there is no way LA, there is no way you two that well, uh, you, all you you Hollywood doofy, uh, right? Uh I'm sorry, Jason, but I'm about to school you. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Bring it. In a, you're telling me that firefighter was wearing flip flops that day. No, well, I don't know about that. You but got I'm served. just saying, in a um, communal shower situation like a fire hall, everybody needs to have shower shoes. Well, otherwise, shower shoes. Otherwise, well, which are all very yeah. often flip flops. Yeah. But you'll okay. you, you'll uh, you'll pass athletes foot around like a like a mofo. Okay, if right, you don't. right. But shower shoes are for your sh- for the shower. Right. right? Yeah. So. Uh, well, but, but yeah, people I'm not who talking about to, like in their day to day lives. People dip right? their toes into flip flops. There's often. six weeks a year in Chicago where you could wear flip flops. <laughs> well, that that I can't argue. <laughs> and 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 two got two rough and tumbles or yeah. the firefighters. They're not going to make. They can't. I don't know. They yeah, can't I've that, right? I've often made the mistake of uh, I, I have reason in my work to uh, go to uh, Chicago in mid April. And I've mm-hmm. many times made the mistake. Well, it'd be pretty nice up there. Not no, freaking winter. No, no, no. It's Chicago. <laughs> okay. the, the, the nobody gets a lot of help here from from the the screenplay. The screenplay is written by somebody named Gregory Wyden. Actually, I looked that up. He wrote the uh, uh, the Highlander movies. <laughs> so, and that scans. Right? Yeah, it does. So. Uh, at the halfway point in this movie, uh, w- the William Baldwin character is no longer. Uh, Technically, a firefighter, or now he's gone on to to do to to uh, work with the fire inspector, De Niro, right, to find this arsonist, right. So he's not part of the people who get the call to go out to the fires, but still they have to uh, get the call to go out the fires, and there has to be this. There's this big plot moment where uh, ba- William Baldwin's character has to be at the scene of the fire, right. So how do you get him there? Sex on the back of the fire truck, right? <laughs> he takes his girlfriend. She flirts with him, puts on his fire hat. They go up and they're having sex on the back of the fire truck. Guess what? A call ding-a-ling-a-ling. comes in, ding a ling, right? So to speak. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so that's you that's know, the kind you know, of that's the kind of you crack know, screenplay room, writing. A you room get of from writers <laughs> toiled over how to get the Baldwin boy to the fire. I don't think so. I think Gregory Wyden was <laughs> just, just said, in his apartment, just, just like said uh, sex on the fire, sex truck. in the back of the fire truck. <laughs> that's why they pay me the big bucks. Yeah, uh, I can see why somebody uh, having seen this yo- uh, at a younger point in their life might have a lot of affection for this movie. It's it's kind of silly. I, the circumstances I saw it under were pretty fun too. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. So we get uh so we already we had creepy Donald Sutherland already once in this podcast with uh, uh Kelly's Heroes. This right? is a uh, sinister. This creepy. is super creepy, Don- uh, Donald Sutherland. But right? man, does he does he having fun? <laughs> you can he tell is, he's having he's, <laughs> he's having, just having a, a blast. And this is uh so he is this uh serial arsonist who's in prison and they have to talk to him to get information out of him that he may or may not have. Sound familiar? Sound like a ripoff of uh, Silence of the Lambs? Well, this movie actually came out uh, right like exactly the same time well, as Silence. First, he's trying to go there to sabotage his because it looks like he's going to get out on parole. Well, sure, yeah. And he's yeah. exposing him for who he to. really. Yeah, they right, eventually, eventually they need have him. To, they it have sets to, right. up later on when they do actually need him. Do, right. Oh. Uh, uh, so yeah, but this movie ca- actually came out the same time. as Probably the same, Lambs, first so movie I ever saw Donald Sutherland in. So his turn in this sort of interested me because I mean it's very obvious he's he's good at what he does. It's just. It's kind of hysterical how hard he's trying. Yeah, yeah. And he just, he looks like no other human being. And I guess we could say that about all of us, but like, he doesn't even look remotely like, he he could not, he could be a different species, right? (laughs) Um, Because he is, especially when he gets his, you know, weirdo eyes going, right? Well, even Kiefer, his son, looks is very uh, unusual looking. Yeah, unusual looking, right. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was fun watching it again. It it hadn't been, I think I my son was little whenever I watched it last, so it'd been ten years. So, but uh, I was way from more familiar with it than I thought I was when we when it came up. Yeah, I was I was even less familiar. I thought for sure at some point my uh, my job would have I, I would have seen some of this, but I saw I've seen almost none of this was familiar. So nice. Okay, well let's get to the housekeeping part of yes. our podcast. As far as a new movie next week, we're not quite sure. We're, we're kind of narrowing it down between three. And I know last time we were in this boat, we just skipped the whole thing. We're probably not going to do that this time. Yeah, probably not. But more importantly, this is episode 99 we're recording now. Next episode will be 100. 100. Episode Even. 100. Wow, that's a milestone Do you know sometimes. that less than 10% of all podcasts make it to episode 100? Woohoo. So wow, that they is said quite, it could be done. Quite an accomplishment, done. yeah. They, all, those, all, all those haters All the naysayers. Right. We made it this far. How so, much further will we make? <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully, we'll make actually make the hundred. Um, <laughs> but I am I am excited about it, and we're going to do something a little special. We we decided to um, rank our top five and bottom five. We have never done a top ten list. No, or, we've or never, never done uh, a, t- a top whatever list. Not on this right? show. We haven't. Yeah, right. A, a top five, bottom five of the the hundred hundred movie, or well, it'll be two hundred movies that have mm-hmm. that have been on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to count um, anything we've done as a special. Mm-hmm. So it's just the 100 regular episodes okay. we have to choose from. Right. Top five, bottom five, it can be a mixture of new and old movies, whatever you feel like doing. Okay. No rules other than that. Okay, so top five new newer movies and top five retro movies? Or no, well, I mean, five. let's just do a top five of everything, Top okay. a bottom five of everything. Okay. That's that's where I'm leaning. Okay. Easy peasy. Okay, easy peasy. I don't want it to turn into an hour-long segment or whatever. Yeah. And then we're going to pair that up with a random movie. That uh, we're gonna pick right now. Uh, 
Okay, our random movie for next week is 2002's Eight Mile. Oh, Eight Mile with Eminem. Lose yourself <laughs> to the music. Oh. You only got one shot. <laughs> this opportunity only comes once in a lifetime. <laughs> or something. Not ringing a bell. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, probably saw it when it came out. That's it. That's 20 I years now. 20 years ago. It. Believe okay. it or not. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> 20 years ago. Yikes. Yikes. So that's where we're at. Thanks for listening once again. Um, be sure and drop us a like or a review on any of our situations. You know what they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Look us up on uh, on Twitter. Yeah. You know? oh, Twitter. Is that still a thing? Uh, could be. Yeah. <laughs> the faster, the better. I hear people who run Twitter voting themselves off the team and stuff. I don't know what the hell's going on over there. <laughs> oh, that brings me to my next announcement. I, I'm, I'm, I have to leave the podcast. I'm going to be the CEO of Twitter. Oh, it just uh, turns out well, nobody else wanted to do it. I can't argue with that. Um, you know, can't do <laughs> I can't do a worse job than you know who. Anyway, that's for damn sure. <laughs> anyway, I again, thanks for listening. We'll join us back next week for a brand new show. Bye for now. Bye.